Welcome. This is the Magician and the Fool podcast. We are on episode number 47. My name is Dominic. My co-host's name is Janice, and you will hear from him in a little bit. Today we are very fortunate to be able to speak with Diego de Ososhi from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Diego is a priest of Kimbanda and a Babalorisha of Candomblé. For more than 20 years, he has been researching and presenting courses, lectures, and workshops on pagan and African-Brazilian religions. He is a student of Maeda do Ogum, who is the founder of Kimbanda, and he is the author of Traditional Brazilian Black Magic. In this interview, we just scratched the surface of Brazilian spiritual practice and the traditions of Kimbanda and Umbanda and the related Uh, practices. So we recommend just using this podcast as maybe a jumping off point for your own study. We want to say thank you, as always, to our very generous patrons, who are really the driving force behind the work we do here on the podcast. So if you like what we do, thank our patrons. It's because of them that this is even possible. If you would like to become a patron and support this kind of work, Just go over to Patreon, look us up, and do what feels right. We dedicate this to Hermes and Asclepius, and may any merits we accumulate doing this work be distributed to all sentient beings so that they, together with us, may equally realize awakening. Okay, we are here with Diego de Ososhi, and I'm going to brutalize every Portuguese <laughs> word that I say today in this interview. We are super excited to have you. There's a lot to talk about. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Dominic. Thank you for the invitation. It's an honor to be with you guys. Oh, welcome. We are so happy to have you. Yeah, so we are going to talk about Kimbanda, a a system and a religion that you are deeply involved with 
And in the process of talking about Kimbanda, we're going to talk about um, lots of other things, including Umbanda and all the uh, surrounding practices in Brazil, which you uh, have written about uh, in your um, amazing book, frankly, uh, Traditional Brazilian Black Magic. Um, Janice and I had the opportunity to read this book recently, and it's just phenomenal. So uh, thank you for writing it. And I would uh, recommend all of our listeners uh, check it out. And we'll talk more about that later. Great, great. So to start, I mean, where do you guys think is a good starting point? Actually, let's start with a little background. So Diego, you know, what's your background? Where where do you come from and what brought you to this path? Well, actually, um, uh, I was born and raised in an an Umbandist family. Actually, my grandmother and my mother, godmother, yeah, I found the, the English word, my grandmother and my godmother, were uh, Umbanda's practitioners of Umbanda and Umbanda mediums. So I was literally born in Umbanda. I I was born with a uh, kidney disease. And that that is what took me to occultism and uh, spirits religion, because they took me to the doctor and the doctor said, well, he has to go through I don't know the word in English, but through kidney uh, treatments and uh, maybe a transplant or something like that. And I went to the hospital till I was seven years old. And I remember being uh, one day at the hospital or another day at the Umbanda temple, taking some spiritual cleansings and uh, treatments with uh, native Indian spirits and ancient black spirits. But that was something I loved, but I didn't leave. I was a child. I have one, two, three, seven years old. <clears throat> uh, and the most amazing thing is that uh, until nowadays, this kidney disease I was born with doesn't have a cure. Uh, either you have a life of treatment and uh that thing that changes the blood. I don't know the dialysis English word for it. Dialysis. Thank you. <laughs> uh, either you go through a lifetime of dialysis or you get a kidney transplant. That's the, until nowadays, that's the, the options you have. But uh, my grandfather, which is, which I didn't knew, he had a, uh, a, a uh, near relationship with uh, Batuki and Orisha's priests and priestesses, which are different African matrix religions we have in Brazil. We have the spirit cults in Umbanda and Kimbanda, and we have the African Orisha's cult in Batuki and Candomblé. So uh, I was born and raised in this Umbanda environment, taking uh, spiritual cleansings and advices from the spirits. But my godfather had a uh, Intimate, intimate relationship with this uh, African priests and priestesses. So when I was about to die from this disease, or I get I, either I got the treatment or I get death, he took me to one of these priests that said to my family, "Well, I'm going to do what I have to do, but he will he will basically have a spiritual uh, contract." A spiritual, a spiritual deal that one day in the future he will have to fulfill. And 
The most amazing thing is that when I was seven years old, I remember being at the doctor as I were as I were each each week, and the doctor came with my papers and uh, well, with all the documents we have in the hospital, and she said to my mom, uh, "Mom, I really don't know what happened, but the disease is gone." And you can take off, you can take off all the medicines, all the treatments and everything else. I was seven years old. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, we don't have a rational explanation for it until today. But uh, the disease was disappeared. And well, I, I was a child. I grew up. I went to my teenage years. And then I, well, then I grew up. I got I became an adult, and as soon as I became an adult, I were uh, dragged. Something, uh, the things started to happen so uh, repeatedly. And even though I wasn't living at my hometown yet, I was living at São Paulo, about I don't know how many miles. I guess ten thousand miles from from uh, from my my uh, hometown. Uh, things became to to shown in my way. So I went to the dance club and I knew someone that uh, were Umbandist or uh, Orisha's worshiper or anything like that. Until I moved from, uh, I, I, I moved from the house I was living at. Well, it was basically in front of a Umbanda temple. And uh, I was uh, almost 20 years old that, that period. And I started to frequent that as a visitor, which normally in a traditional Umbanda temple, you will visit for a year or so, two years or so, until you get invited to be a part of the temple and then start the first steps of your religious life and everything like that. Uh, when I was one month there, the, the chief of the house called me and said, you have a spiritual mission you have to fulfill. So it's now it's the time. Then I started to learn and practice Sumbanda. I spent two years there until, and that's the most, can I, can I say a bad word? Yeah. In the, yeah. That's the most fucking <laughs> amazing thing that happened to me. <laughs> Because uh, I had a good life, I had a good job, I was very, uh, I had a, a nice life. When I was 20, 22 years old, I, well, I had a career, a career, I had my education, I had my house and everything else. And uh, I was living my Umbanda life just like any other people, any other person. And from literally from in, in, a, in six, six months period, I came, I, I came from a top life to a bottom-down life where I didn't have the money to buy food. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't starve because I have my family and they helped me. And uh, I talked with uh, the Umbanda priest that, uh, that ruled the, the temple I was in that days. And I said, well, but uh, we make all the offerings, we do all the rituals, we, we take everything, everything that, it, that needs to be done and I, she was very honest with me, and I'm thankful to her until until today for this. She said, "Diego, I, I really don't know what is happening. I really can't help you 
more than I'm doing. But uh, the thing is, you have to find something else. You can continue being Umbandist, but Umbanda is not enough for you. And in the same, uh, in the same times, I, uh, as I said, I, I didn't have the money to, to buy food, nor to pay the rent, nor to do anything uh, <clears throat> in a six-month period. I uh, got back to my mom's house in my, in my hometown. And well, when I got there, I said, I, I gotta do something. I gotta take some actions. I gotta find a, uh, as, as we call in Portuguese, a, a, a mãe de santo, which is a Orisha, practice, a Orisha priest or an, a spirit priest. Some, someone gotta help me. Some, someone at least gotta send me, say me what is happening. And that was that was when I knew Manieda. I got a uh, religious magazine, which uh, is like a social uh, social column with uh, party pictures of every every uh, priest and priestesses that do they, does, uh, does their their parties and everything else. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to look for someone that gets my attention and. I'll call them and I'll schedule a, a oracle consultation and, well, got to do what I got to do. And then I knew Maida and she changed my life. Uh, she was the, uh, a few years later, I got to know that she was the, the founder of Kimbanda in Brazil. And the first time I saw her, I went to her house to get a consultation and to, well, let's do some cleansing, let's do some magic rituals, let's invoke something to get my life back on track. And uh, she looked at me and she, without an oracle, without anything, she, did, she, she, didn't, she didn't have started the, the consultation yet. She just looked at me and she said, you have to take care of your issue. He is messing with your life because he wants to be treated as he deserves to. And in my house, we are not going to give him a uh, food offering or a spirit offering or one drink or one, uh, one chicken or a roast. He needs to get his all his rights. He needs to get all his spiritual uh, rights. He needs to get all the major sacrifices we will usually do for someone who is uh, 5, 10, 20 years initiated because you have been initiated, uh, not initiated, but you have been dedicated in your childhood. And that's the thing I have to say to you. If you want me to read the article, I will repeat everything I have said through. So I guess I think, whoa, what is happening? And of course, I'm 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 kind of Santa. Uh, in Brazil, we have uh, Saint Thomas, which is Saint Thomas, I guess. That I I have to I have to see for believing. That it's a uh, Christian saint that has this saying. I have to see to believe. And I said, yeah, of course, I want you to open the oracle. I want you? I I came here to get to have the consultation. <laughs> of course, I want. And of course, she, she repeated everything she had to say. Uh, and then I said to her, well, but uh, okay, I understand that I have the, I know, I know I have this childhood uh, dedication. I know that I knew that someday I will have to uh, assume this to my life. But if I'm saying, if I'm coming here and saying to you that I almost don't have money to food and rent, how can I buy a, a goat? For this, how can, how can I pay for a goat for the spirits? And she said, that's not the thing. If they want to have it, 
they will have to bring you all the resources for it. And then she did a simple ritual, kind of a agreement with the spirits, where we said, well, if you take my life back on track, I'll dedicate my life to you. And that was the turning point of my life. Uh, from that moment on, everything I ever dreamt, and I'm not talking about money, I'm not talking about material issues, I'm talking about uh, symbolic prosperity, I'm talking about a life with meaning, I'm talking about reborning from a medium to low vibration life. Uh, from that moment on, my life just changed. And I saw the transformation, I saw the the real magic that Eshu and Pombajira can do in, in someone's life. We have a saying in Kimbanda and in Candomblé that Eshu makes the right turn wrong and the wrong turn right. Uh, Eshu makes the night becomes day and the day becomes night. And when we look at the saints in a symbolic way, we understand the power of Eshu that can take a fucked life and make it the most amazing, loved, uh, brilliant, prosper, wealth life we can have. If you understand the power of issue, if you understand the real meaning of uh, spirits worshiping, and that was what happened in my background. So uh, from that moment on, I made a choice. I could continue my life with in my career and uh, well, I, I work with uh, advertising and social media, not social media, with internet uh, stuff. Now that that period didn't have social media yet. We were talking about the Orkut and early years of Facebook, but <laughs> no one had the social media yet. But I used to, to work with IT and uh, software development and something like that. And there was a day that I took this decision. Well, I will dedicate my life to the spirits as, as a manner of repaying them for rebirthing me. That's an awesome, awesome story. And it sounds like you were, you were put on that path really from birth. Um, it was kind of a destiny. Yeah. And it's, it's a story that is kind of classic. Um, we hear when you hear about maybe shamans, even in, in places like si Siberia, mm -hmm. Mongolia, um, they often start off as children who are, are, are sick or are having problems and, and then come to that spiritual path and become a shaman or a priest. So it's a very classic story and very interesting. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yes, for sure. And uh, for those of our listeners who may be unfamiliar could you uh, back up just a little bit and define Umbanda in, in a quick way so that they understand when you're referring to that first chapter when you were involved in Umbanda, um, yeah, what yeah, that sure. is? Uh, I guess we can uh, quickly contextualize three kinds of uh, Brazilian occult religions or, of, or Brazilian occult uh, spiritual paths. We have in Brazil. We have the uh, biggest. How is, how is the word in English? Uh, we have the, the the biggest number of African enslaved brought from uh, enslaved people brought from Africa for uh, about all Americas. We have about four million 
uh, African enslaved people brought to Brazil. And from that, 4 million, 2 million survived the, the ocean crossing. So Brazil has a very strong uh, black spirituality background. That said, we have two basic kinds of uh, spiritual traditions or spiritual worshiping practices. We have the deities practice, uh, worshiping. We have the deities practice, uh, practice, which is called batuki or candomblé, and worship the orishas, the African gods and goddesses of nature. They are nature powers and nature forces. They are uh, personalized in some human figures so we can relate to them uh, better. That's one thing. And then we have the spirits, uh, worshiping, we have the spirits cults, the ancestral uh, cults, the ancestors, sorry, the ancestors cults that are related to familiar spirits or unknown death, uh, death spirits that can come back to earth and relate with us in, well, in religious rituals or, or spiritual rituals. In this sense, uh, when we're talking about the, spirit, uh, the spirits worshiping, Umbanda is the first organized religion for uh, spirit, uh, spirits worshiping, aside of French Catholicism that already existed in Brazil in, in the 18th and 19th century. But uh, when, we're, when we talk about Catholicism, they only accept uh, high social level doctors and masters and well-educated spirits that are looking for some kind of uh, enlightenment, blah, blah, blah. And Umbanda is founded in Brazil, is, is uh, organized in Brazil in 1908 when uh, a uh, poor spirit, a, a native Indian spirit, uh, embodies a, a medium during a, a Cardicism session and said and says that, well, if Cardicism is the space for high, uh, high society spirits, now I'm creating a space that will welcome all rascals and uh, marginal spirits that don't have place in this high society Cardicism. I'm creating Umbanda and from now on, we will, uh, the spirits in Umbanda will be dedicated to uh, charity and to welcome all poor people that doesn't have any kind of spiritual support in this religion. So we have these two scenarios where the forces of nature and the African deities are worshipped in Candomblé and Batuki. And we first had Umbanda as the only organized cult that worshiped uh, rascals and marginal spirits, the poor spirits and the uh, not, not recognized spirits. About 40 years after the, the foundation of Umbanda, there was another social breakdown inside. Now, uh, now, in, now we're talking about an inside out uh, social breakdown in Umbanda. If Umbanda was a social breakdown from Cardassus, and from these uh, white doctors uh, and mentors from uh, a high educated uh, social level. And Umbanda was this breakdown. About 40 years of uh, Umbanda's foundation, we had another social, social breakdown when we had a 
in uh, the shoe spirit, which is the name we give to the the most I, 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 I miss the English word for it. The, actually, the word I know is rascal, but I believe there is a not a, a harder word for it. Trickster. Tricks, yeah, but not actually. When we're talking about uh, social levels, we have the the rich people, we have the medium, we have the bottom line, and we have something up below the bottom line. Mm. And the shoe was seen as this below the bottom line kind of spirit in the uh, from the foundation of Umbanda until 1940s, 1950s, something around that year. And then we have a spirit that just like the spirit that founded Umbanda in 1908, we have a spirit that, <clears throat> but with the difference that in 1908, we have a nation, uh, <clears throat> a native Indian spirit. So uh, seen as a healer, seen as a kind of shaman, seen as a kind of an ancient uh, knowledge keeper uh, in uh, 1602, we have this down the bottom line level of a spirit saying, no, I'm not going to be the cleaner. I'm not going to be the, the, slave, the, the slave of the enslaved. I'm not going to be treated at, as just the, the well, the, the rest of the rest. I have a name, I have a power, I, I, have, a, I have a magical power, I demand to be recognized and respected for what I can do. And this spirit was called King, uh, Eshu Kingdom of the Seven Crossroads, and he was uh, embodied in Maeda's body. So that was a social breakdown and a spiritual breakdown when we first get organized Kimbanda uh, cults. So we have Umbanda, which is a spirits, uh, spirits cult, and a season uh, of this Umbanda that said, if you want to welcome all uh, non-recognized uh, spirits, all these uh, foreign spirits, all these rascal spirits, but you want to, even though uh, you are all very welcome to everyone, we, you were yet trying to repeat the enslaved process mm -hmm. of hierarchies and who commands who, and you are subaltern to uh, the Indians and subaltern to the old, uh, to, to the ancient Negroes and everything like this. Now we will have the a, a new code, a new religion where the rascal rules, where the bottom of the bottom, the ones that were uh, prostitutes, the ones that were uh, uh, I, I don't know the word for those who live in the streets. I don't know the English word for those who, who starves in the streets. And uh, well, we're going to get all those fucking spirits that uh, didn't have anything but had to learn with life struggle how to survive. And we're going to worship their knowledge, their wisdom, and their life uh, tricks. And, and uh, and this is Kimbanda. So we have deities in Kanomle and Batuki. We have mid-white, mid-class uh, mid spirits. Uh, not, not exactly that, but uh, we have enlightened spirits looking for some uh, spiritual progression and charity and, oh, let's take care of everyone 
in Umbanda, and you have this uh, self-centered spirits who are saying, we are looking for those, uh, we, are, we will take care for those who take care of us in Kimbanda. It's very, very interesting. It's, it's uh, the elevation of Eshu in Kimbanda seems like a direct reflection of kind of the elevation of those marginalized people. The slaves exactly. are now free uh, of the hierarchy. Um, it's very empowering. Exactly. I was just going to say it's also interesting how there is a radical inversion here. Mm-hmm. It's like we see the person at the bottom, and then all of a sudden it becomes the top, like the first will be last and the last will be first. Exactly. And this is the, uh, if, we're, if we're taking a uh, social look at Kimbanda, a uh, soci- uh, sociologic a, a approach of Kimbanda, that's exactly what happened. Mm. And was this conception of Kimbanda, is this the, the, the Baja crossing? Is that how it's pronounced or is that the term of the Barra? Cra- Barra. Barra? Yeah, the, the, the Barra. Yeah, the, the Barra crossing. Actually, the, the Barra crossing, it was the, the magical ritual, the magic ritual that, uh, how can I say this, that uh, officialized this social rupture. Mm. Actually, the, 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 either the social rupture as the spiritual rupture happens after the barrel crossing, but the barrel crossing is like the, the authorization for you can go for it. You, you, you really have the power you said you have. You proved you were a real spirit, a spirit that can do everything you say you can do. So now you have this crossing. And spiritually speaking, what was happening there with the barrel crossing? Spiritually speaking, when we when we what we call the the barrel crossing is uh, when well the, the basics of Kimbanda and uh, of the African deities uh, worshiping cults are the uh, animal sacrifice, but uh, we sacrifice roasts and uh, catters and uh, bulls and uh, goats for even uh, either for the deities as for the the spirits but they are they are separate rituals if we're, we are give uh, we are feeding the the deities with the blood and then we will feed the community the community with a with the meat uh this is one thing we are we are sacrificing animals for a a deity this this have this have this uh divinity sense of uh, of belonging of giving something to a god of to a goddess when we feed when we sacrifice some animals to the spirits we are kind of thanking them and uh empowering them with the blood's uh force with the blood's uh, mystical and magical power and the barakrasin means that I'm feeding the spirit, I'm sacrificing animals to the spirit. Sorry, I'm feeding the deity, I'm sacrificing animals for this deity, and I'm saying that this spirit is welcome to eat Mm. with him, to be fed uh, along with a deity. So Mm. when he can eat in the same table, if we bring this to, to 
practical reality. If a spirit can sit on the table uh, to eat, to have dinner with a deity, so he gets the deity uh, hierarchy. He gets a deity, he becomes a deity, not only a rascal spirit. Something Interesting. Like so Eshu uh, in Kimbanda is seen as kind of an elevated spirit, uh, kind of initiated into or welcomed into the kind of deity sphere. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even though we recognize they are not uh, nature powers, they are uh, spirits. They were they were once alive and uh, dead, and now they come back from uh, through spiritual embodiment. They have this deity's degree. Very interesting. Um, as far as issues, um, I've seen I've seen the term used as a singular, like as as a singular entity, and also as as mm-hmm. kind of a plural of many entities. Um, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain how that works? Or? Yeah, yeah because maybe to um, just to make the question a little clearer, could you please articulate the distinction between the Orisha or Irumole? Uh, Eshu, Elegbara, and the Eshus of Kimbanda? Yeah, yeah. Actually, the, the main difference is the, is the same difference of Candomblé, Batuki uh, in Central America and in North America, the, the Voodoo Loas, and in Brazil, the Candomblé and Batuki Orishas for the spirits. So we have a main difference that is one thing we're talking about a nature force that is divinized and worshipped as a deity, and in the other hand, we have a a spirit that was once alive, and well became dead, and now gets back to earth through the cult and through the uh, spiritual embodiment. But we also have a kind of a contextual problem, which is. In Brazil and most in uh, southern, uh, southeast and northeast Brazil, we use the same word for these two different energies. So we have the word Eshu to, de- to define a, a god, an African god, the African god of communication, the African god of movement, the African god of contrasts, which is an Orisha called Eshu. And we also have the same word, the same name, to define the Kimbanda spirits. So even though we know they are different things, they are, they have different codes, we have this uh, contextual error of using the same word for two different things. Even though, if we can, uh, if we could humanize the African god called the shoe, and if in, in, as we can humanize the Kimbanda spirit called Eshu, they will almost be the same mm. thing. So the the archetype of Kimbanda spirit called Eshu is the commander, is the ruler of movement, is the ruler of communication, is the ruler of all life pleasures, is the ruler of uh, wealth and material life uh, financial and material life, is the ruler of sex, is the ruler of all things that are uh, non-sacred in a Christian, uh, Judeo-Christian point of view. Mm-hmm. And this is the same uh, life aspects 
that the, the African Orisha called the shoe is, uh, is a roller off. And which, uh, and one, one curious thing is that this uh, confusion of using the same word to define two different but similar energies only exists uh, in south, uh, Southeast and Northeast Brazil. We don't have this, uh, this confusion in the Southern Brazil where Kimbanda is founded because the same African, de, uh, African god called Exu in the Southern Brazil is called Bará. So this is the Bará crossing. The spirit is taken to a uh, spiritual hier hierarchy that says he is also, he's almost a god just as Bara or the Orisha called Bara. So we don't have the, this, this, this confusion in Southern Brazil because the spirit is called Eshu and the Orisha is called Bara. We know they are different things. They have different names, even though they rule on the, the same life aspects. But from uh, Paraná is, is the, this Brazilian state that divide the Southern region from all other parts of Brazil, from Paraná uh, to above, for the, to the upper states, the same word defines dif uh, two different things. That's the main differentiation. Okay, thank you for that explanation. That was very clear and helpful. No, that was actually intriguing. And I still find it so intriguing, the parallels between the two, even though they're separate. Mm -hmm. For instance, the issues were red and black. They're associated with crossroads. You know, all these things, which is very much a shoe, Odara, or Elegara. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's almost as if, did it's almost as if there's some sort of secret connection, yeah. even though they're separate. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't have the ways to rationalize this. And it's also a mystery for me and for everyone else. In, in, in Brazil, which practices any, any of those religions. But yeah, the African God of communication, of movement, of sex, of life, of everything, everything like this, have a lot in common with the Kimbanda spirits. We could almost say they are the same if they were not a nature force mm. and they deceased the spirit. There is a mystery we can't explain. Well, it's a wonderful mystery because you're bringing those two things together. It, it's kind of great in that way. Yeah. Cool. Um, and something I wanted to kind of touch on, uh, Umbanda and uh, Kimbanda are, are seen as, as very new uh, paths, new religions. Mm -hmm. But in reality, mm -hmm. they the roots go extremely deep, as with all of the kind of diasporic African uh, traditions. And I wanted to just quote something from your book, which I thought was very helpful in understanding this. I'll, I'll just read it now. Um, mm -hmm. So it is right to say that the voodoo of Haiti, the Santeria of Cuba and the Caribbean, uh, the Regla de Paulo of the Dominican Republic of Puerto Rico, the cult of Maria Leonzo in Venezuela and the Kundulus of Brazil, which later would evolve into the uh, Bahian, uh, Candomblé, and Southern Batuki are essentially the same practice, each adopted to the particular geography, culture, and available resources of each country and region into which they were inserted. So I, I found that 
very helpful in kind of contextualizing all these very mm-hmm. seemingly separate systems with all their own nuances. Um, when in reality, uh, at their core, they're kind of practicing the same things um, because these were all Africans born in Africa and they learned these things in Africa. So it would make sense that these are all kind of the same things, just kind of dressed up in these exactly. different cultures. Exactly. And uh, I don't know the historical background, uh, the, the details of the historical background of Haitian voodoo or the Maria Leonza or any other religion outside Brazil. I know they, they're common no practices. But in, if we look at the beginnings of African religions in Brazil, we had the spirits, the, the deities cult, along with the spirits cult. So the, the, the uh, worshiping the deities, worshiping God, uh, African gods and goddesses had, uh, w- happens at the, same times, uh, at the same time as ancestors worshiping. And that's an, an African thing. Mm-hmm. So th- that, that, that's uh, natural that all those Africans enslaved to all Americas adapted their uh, spiritual practices to what the, the land offers. Right. And uh, this is something that happens in Brazil a lot until, until today. We have a lot of uh, traditional temples that only worship the Orishas, only worship the African gods and goddesses, and don't recognize the, the spirits, cults, but they have inside their practices some uh, ancestors code that is uh, hidden. And because there is, uh, my, my, the, 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 the priest that initiated me to come to Orisha's code had a saying that uh, the, the gods exist because man, because man exists. There, there won't be any African, Asian, uh, Japanese, European, French, or any, any other name. There will not exist any god or any goddess if there wasn't a man or a woman to worship them. Hmm. So uh, when we look to, when we take off the names and we understand that we are worshiping forces that can interfere for good and for bad in human life. We understand we're talking about the same thing. Of course, we uh, and, and this is a very trickster thing to say, but uh, in Voodoo, we have the Gedes cult, which, uh, which is the cult to the spirits, of uh, basically is the code of spirits that uh, are marginal, there are rascals, there are uh, given to the pleasures of life. And they are very similar to the issues in Pombagira, which are very similar to uh, the, the, the spirits code uh, worship in uh, traditional witchcraft. And, and there, is, there, is even, uh, there is even a chapter in the book that talks about the, the mixture of Go- uh, Goetia uh, uh, demons with Kimbanda uh, issues. And even though we know they are different things, are they really different things? Mm. Or are they only different names from different regions for the same force? Especially if you consider that the uh, dominant 
of imperialistic religions demonized natural forces and indigenous religious figures. And that brings me into another point that I want to talk about. We know that whether it was actually has been a worldwide thing, whether you go to Africa or Northern Europe or Native America, the indigenous figure figures of the gods were always demonized, especially the sort of mercurial god like Eshu or mm-hmm. Loki or whoever, because they turned that into the devil figure, like how in um, Nigeria, when they translated the Bible into Nigerian, the name for Satan, they put the name Eshu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I find it intriguing how in Brazil, in Kimbanda, they turned that into an empowerment. They turned yeah. those symbols of the Judeo-Christian devil figure into an empowering figure, empowering symbols of liberation. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you could talk about that. Yeah, there is the, the social, uh, sociological point of view, which is if I have a dominant enemy that, uh, that is terrified of the devil figure and if the only thing i have to defend myself is the spirits i will say my spirit is the devil if that's the only weapon i have to defend myself from the slavery for to defend myself from the uh, white judeo-christian domination of course i will admit or at least I will say to those who are afraid of the devil that what I worship is the devil. That's the only force I have to maybe defend myself and maybe win this this war. And there is another uh, spiritual and uh, theological point of view and I was talking about this with an initiator of mine in Brazil, which is also a uh, Luciferian priest. And we were talking about the, the differences and the, how is, uh, what's the, the opposite word of difference? The similarity. The, semblance, the similarity, thank you. Uh, the differences, uh, we were talking about the differences and the similarities of Eshu Mayoral which is the uh, origin of all life and all forces as we have in Kimbanda. So he's kind of the god of creation. The, great, the, 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 the origin of life is called Eshu Mayoral. And we were talking about the differences and similarities of this Eshu Mayoral, which is represented by Baphomet's image and is called in the majority of uh, Kimbanda temples as Eshu Beuzebu with the Luciferian figure of uh, Lucifer, Satan, and Baphomet. And uh, we were creating this, uh, this parallels where we have a force which is uh, considered the origin of good and, uh, and of, go- of good and bad, of uh, good and evil, uh, the the origin of life and death, the origin of right and wrong, the origin of all the opposites, and that's why he is uh, symbolized with Baphomet's image. 
which is men, women, goat, uh, up and down, uh, all that, those those contrasts that we found in in Eliphaz, Eliphaz Levi Baphomet's image, and so it's all one origin who 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 give who gave different names and who said this part is bad this part is good this part is valid this part is demonic demonic or demonic <laughs> the, this, this this is okay <laughs> this is not uh it was the catholic church before before the catholic church they were all one and maybe this is one of the most intriguing and most amazing things that took me to Kimbanda. We admit to ourselves that humans are good and bad at once. I'm not looking to be only good, oh, I only practice good thoughts, good actions. I don't have, I don't feel angry. I don't feel, uh, I don't hate anything. I don't disguise, I don't, no, I do. I have a shadow inside me. I have a beast inside me that can also be used as a transformation tool, that can also be used as an improvement, a personality improvement tool. If I look at this beast, if I look at this shadow, and at least try to not be consumed by it. But if I, if I get my whole life saying, no, I don't have any bad feelings, I don't have shadow inside me, I, I'm only light, I'm only light, I'm all good, I don't... Why am, why, am, why, why am I living for? If I'm only light, I shouldn't be embodied. I should be a, a spirit. What am I doing here? That's huge. Why, if I'm only light, why am I facing... All life struggling, uh, struggles, why am I facing uh, poverty? Why am I facing uh, starving? Why am I, why do I, even, even if I don't have this in my life, if I'm only light, if I'm only good, if I only do good things, why do I have to deal with bad people? Why do I have to deal with, uh, uh, I missed the English word, uh, with uh, lions and uh, mistreated, that, well, I'm missing myself in, in English, but if I'm all pure and all good, why am I on earth? That's very well said. And, you know, another thing it makes me think of is how that dominant discourse also demonizes the natural animal impulses in us. Exactly. You know, we, we need to eat. We need to have sex. We need to, you know, we need to exercise our bodies. We need to enjoy life. And that's demonized by some of these authorities. Mm -hmm. And and so then that stuff becomes consigned to the realm of the quote-unquote devil. And then it becomes kind of consigned over to that realm of the same thing that's been demonized as the indigenous religions and uh, gods of indigenous people. And so all these things come lumped together. And it seems like Eshu is something he liberates Exactly. People from this enslavement, these chains that made them feel guilty about wanting to enjoy life, exactly. that make them feel guilty about where they come from and all these things. And to me, that's very beautiful. Exactly. We have a saying that uh, in Kimbanda, there is no, uh, there is no sin. We, do, we don't recognize sin's concept, but we recognize that every choice in life 
has its uh, consequences. So I, I used to take a, a hard example, but is it right or wrong to kill someone? And of course, the majority of people will automatically answer, it's bad, it's wrong. And I, I use this example because I, I, I had this uh, in my temple. I had a consultation with a guy that came to me and uh, he said to me, I just came here because I want to kill someone. And when we hear this in, in, in first time, we, we say, whoa. But, uh, and, and the first thing I said to him was, why do, who is this, this person and why do you want to, to kill him? And he answered me, because he abused my child. That was the first time I rationalized this, this thought. Is it right or wrong to at least want to kill someone? What is right and wrong? In what context? In what uh, environment? And this is something that we assume and recognize as Kimbangists. There is no defined good or bad. There is no defined right and wrong. But for every action, we will have consequences. So I can use the, the issues magic and Pombajira's magic to harm someone. The, the, that's the concept of black magic. <laughs> that's the basic concept of a uh, general concept of black magic. I will do some magic ritual to harm someone. But I can also use its issues and Pombajira's power to understand what made, what choices I've, I've taken so far that allowed me to be harmed. And how can I avoid that? So I don't have to give back the harm that was made to me. And I also don't have to give the other face. So, oh, let's see the, no. I have to assume I just, I, I was harmed because I left someone made me uh, do me harm. So how can I use issues, issues power and Pombajira's power to avoid these situations to, 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 to happen? And of course, we're, I'm, I'm not uh, hypocritical. Depending on the, on the situation, yeah, of course to cast a spell and give back to those who, who harmed me. We, are, we have a beast inside, but we have to learn. And that's the most, maybe the most difficult, but the most rewarding challenge we, we face during Kimbanda's ritual and Kimbanda's uh, uh, development, uh, spiritual development during the, the, the spiritual life, the religious life that I must recognize when it's time to go to war or when it's time to learn with the war I face to avoid uh, useless struggles in the future mm -hmm. and get all that weapon, uh, weaponry power and all that uh, uh, bellical power I could just use to harm the next one to in instead of going to war using all those uh, soldiers and all those uh, forces I could use to, to build a bigger and better and stronger castle to myself. Hmm. So how do you, how do you balance that as uh, a practitioner of Kimbanda? Um, if you, if you don't necessarily recognize sin, but obviously, you know, there, 
can be an imbalance um, in any individual where they go maybe too far to one side, um, not recognizing sin or or the suffering that they are causing others. Do you think there's a danger to that? No, but but that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, I I don't I don't say uh, for those who go to the dark side to the the harmful side of the magic. I'm not saying that Kimbanda doesn't doesn't recognize the harm we uh, we can do to other people, mm. uh, or, or we or our spell can do, but we don't see this as a. Con- uh, I'm not I'm not sure if the word is right. A condemnation. We we are conscious that if we do a harm spell, if we do an attack spell, this is going to harm so- someone. This is going to to do bad for someone. And uh, what we must always try to balance or always try to rationalize is, am I prepared to deal with the consequences of it? Hmm. Not not spiritual consequences. And this is the point when I say we don't recognize sin. Oh, I'm not going to do a, a harmful spell because I'm going to be condemned in another life or I'm going to burn in hell. No, I'm not going to burn in hell but I'm going to pay in this life. Mm. Because if I have my mentors and my issues and my, you can also, you, you can you can maybe have yours. And if you, if I do use something, even in uh, spellcraft or in uh, practical life, if I do use something and you try to answer, we can get in an endless war. Am I ready for it? Right. Am I prepared for it? And do I want to to get into an endless war? Or maybe I can, of course, recognize I'm angry with you or I hate you or anything bad, but try to uh, use this hate as a form of uh, wisdom. Mm. Why do I hate? How how can I hate without harming? But uh, when I, I'm, I'm not fantasizing no no we 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 have no idea we're doing harm yes we, we have yeah and to to answer objectively objectively to to your question uh there is no magical guide or a magical rule to oh how do i balance when someone i guess that is a it's more to an ethical than to a magical uh rule to say no i i won't go from here yeah, I, I I won't help you, or or I won't cast a spell, or I won't. But this is the maybe this is the uh, deepest mission a priest in any in any religion. This is the deepest mission a priest or a priestess have to hear your your uh, to hear you cry, to hear to to understand what is uh, making you feel angry, what is making you to want to kill someone or to cast a spell to someone and try, at least try to make you understand how to exchange this to a self-improvement energy. So this, this, uh, and and this is the the example I I told you about the, the guy who came to me, oh, I want to kill someone. Okay, but what happened? He, he abused my child. They said, okay, you can't change what happened. You, it's a shame. It's a, uh, I, I share with you the pain of having a, a abused child. 
but to kill the one who did it won't change this fact. Instead of uh, losing your money by a, by a, in, in, in a spell, by, instead of losing your sanity in spells, instead of uh, losing your time and your energy and all the good thing, all, all other good things you could be achieving in this time with this money, with this energy, what about looking at you? You don't, you, don't even, you don't even need to forgive the one who abused your child. I want him to burn in hell. I want him to die. I want him to... I share this with you. But why do you have to lose your time, your money, your energy to achieve this? And this is the major aspect and the major uh, dominion of a shoe. If... If th that situation is really wrong, and of course we, we can uh, talk about what is wrong, what, what is right for the rest of the day, but uh, if that was really unfair and bad, and we don't need to cast a spell. If there is no ego when, when judging if that was bad or, or, or not, we don't need to cast a spell. Eshu will take care of it mm. because Eshu takes care of those who takes care of Eshu. And that's the, the biggest difference of worshiping Eshu in Pombajira and worshiping a uh, Judeo-Christian God. And now I'm not talking now with all the prejudice that I, I believe they, they, they practice, but uh, the, the Christian God is, is always aside, is always distant is always, oh, I'm, I'm a god, I want to be worshipped, and if you don't worship me, I'll kill you with a flood in your city. But, <laughs> but, but if I had a little time to spare, then maybe I'll take care of you. That's, that's the, the, the relationship that Christians have with their god. But when we're talking about Kimbandeshu, we have a personal relationship with a personal deity. My, the, the only reason of being, the only reason of existing, and the, of course, the reason of me worshiping him, him as, as my issue, is that his only, his only mission is to take care of me. So I have a personal God that I don't need to cast a spell to make right or wrong, to make justice. I have a guardian. I have a uh, commander. I have a, an angel and a, and a devil 24 hours at my side. So what, what, why will I spend my money, my time, my energy to, to do harm? If I know there is a uh, bodyguard taking care of those issues. So I'll spend my money, my time, my, my everything to improve myself in uh, financial ways, in uh, loving ways, in studying ways. And so uh, Kimbanda is a selfish religion. Yeah, it is a selfish, selfish religion in the best sense of the word. Well, because it's because by helping yourself, you help everyone. Exactly, around. exactly. Exactly. We're not here to, to we're not here to save the whole world, but I can try to help or save my personal world. Mm. And when I'm okay, 
let's let's only look for the the, the financial the, the the money issues. If I'm financially okay, if I have money enough for me and to share, people around me and and those I love will also be good. They don't they don't necessarily have the same education. They don't necessarily have the same kind of job. They don't, but I can help them and I can fulfill my private community. And that's the sense of issue. That's the, the meaning of he takes care of those who take care of them. And, you know, it seems like there's more of an emphasis on understanding as a basis for our decisions, as opposed to fearing, instead exactly. of fearing the, oh, I'm going to get punished. Exactly. This is more about understanding, well, why, why do I want to do this? And what is going to be the consequences? Exactly. And the other thing that it makes me think of with you is that guy who came to you, and that's tragic. And I know I would feel the same way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, your Eshu, in fact, probably all the Eshus of the temple were sitting there listening to what that guy was saying, and they were probably pissed. Of course. Of course. But uh, you know that in, in that case, what uh, gave me most joy is that he, he didn't act. We, we didn't cast any spell to kill anyone. He understood that 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 was nothing that would pay. That was nothing that would uh, take that pain away. But that we could cast spells to improve his child's uh, emotional background, not background, the emotional uh, aspects. That we could uh, cast spells so he could not forget, but uh, at least not to be harmed for memories. And uh, for uh, this kind of things, mm -hmm. I, mean, I really don't have the, the best words Makes for sense. describing it. It almost as if you guys have a more Gnostic understanding because you're not coming from fear and punishment, but you're coming from a place of wisdom and trying exactly. to understand. And that's very beautiful. Now, I want to, our listeners who aren't familiar, they hear you talking about Pombajira and they probably want to know more about the, you know, what's the structure of the Kimbanda in terms of who is who are the issues, who are the Pombajiras, and well, we have a, a infinity of issues and Pombajiras name, but uh, well, first uh, first thing first, Pombajira is the female counterpart of Eshu. So when we uh, we look at the universe, we must understand that everything in the universe is balanced as positive and negative, male and female. So uh, we have this one source of power, this one origin of our all life, which is Eshu Mayoral, that is represented by Baphomet's image. And he is male and female in the same uh, creature. From him, we have Eshu and Pombajira or originated. So we have male and female origin, uh, uh, male and female energies. We're not talking about gender identity or uh, things like that. Mm -hmm. We're talking about vibration. We're talking about energy vibration. So we have male and female uh, vibration originated from Eshu Mayoral, which are Eshu King and Pombajira, uh, Pombajira Queen. And these three energies, they are not spirits. They are uh, I don't. Uh, I know the word in Portuguese for to, to differentiate it, but they are powers. They are 
energy, energy sources. And from this Exu King and this Exu Pombajira that we have all spirits, uh, not originated, but uh, hierarchical organized. And then we understand the, the whole universe <clears throat> divide, uh, divide in what we call the seven kingdoms. The, 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 the or the seven realms. So in Kimbanda, we have a spiritual structure where no issue is better or worse than any other. No issue is uh, powerful or uh, weaker than any other, but, but they rule and relate with different nature powers and energies and aspects and something like this. So the seven realms are related to all human uh, life aspects and how all nature forces. Each of these realms are subdivided in nine dominions, uh, in nine, uh, I, let me look for the English word for it. Because in Brazil, we, in, in Portuguese, we will have the reinos and the povos. And in, in English, in the traditional Brazilian black magic book, they are called, called the seven realms, and each realm has its nine dominions, which are sub, uh, subdivisions of each realm. And each of these dominions have a ruling issue. So we have one ruling Pombajira for all the dominions and eight ruling issues for each realm. One ruling of the realm and eight and nine, sorry, we have one rule in Pombajira for each realm, in, and, and she rules these realms, nine dominions. So she has more uh, authority, maybe, than the the realm, the king's realm, because the, the, the king's realm reigns on his realm, but he has the his commanders. Each each of these seven realm, each realm nine subdivisions. So we have 10 male spirits ruling, each one of them ruling a part of a realm, while we have one single woman ruling all of them. And this is something I'll try to write another book about it <laughs> uh, and talk about the, the this female power and this female empowerment that Kimbanda gives to Pombajira. But the, basically, the structure is we have male energy called the Shu, female energy called Pombajira. Uh, we divide the, the whole nature and the whole universe in seven realms. Each realm are, is subdivided in nine dominions, and each dominion have an infinity of issues name. So when we talk about issue, when we call issue Pombajira, we're talking about generic names uh, to a kind of a family group. And then we will have, as, as we have in, 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 uh, in real life, <clears throat> we have John, we have Mary, we have uh, Edward, we have Bianca, we have, uh, well, we have a lot of different names for male humans and female humans. That's the, the same thing in the spiritual. We have a lot of names for male spirits, issues, and female spirits, Pombajiras. Thank you, Diego. Can you maybe give an example of how uh, a Kambanda practitioner would work with the different realm and, and then subdivision? So say like the, the wood realm 
and then within the wood realm like um, the meadows or the hills or the the mines the dominions don't have a context different uh, difference from each other when we're talking about dominions of a, of the same realm so when i when i'm working with the the woods realm i will probably be looking for health uh, issues or uh, remedies uh, natural remedies magical remedies uh, that's the, the most uh, the, uh, the basic dominion uh, the basic uh, uh, aspects that a, a woods realm a sure pombajira will deal with uh, medicine uh, and and healing and everything like this so when i in inside the the woods realm which dominion would will i choose to work with well that depends on the spirits i'm going to invoke the elements i have so uh, i'll look at the book to be more more specific if i'm going to to perform some uh some healing spell with uh flowers or with uh sm uh, smelling elements with uh, perfumery or something like this i will probably work with the flowers dominion and the in the issues who walks now who, who deals with him so uh if i'm going to perform a spell with uh three barks uh, that i that I, the, the magical elements that i'm going to use our three parts are uh, rough and raw things. I will probably look at the three dominions or the meadows we, uh, dominions. So one, uh, inside the same realm, there is no, no, not much difference between each realm. Instead of the spirit I'm going to summon, it's some, uh, something like uh, if I'm going to, if I have a job in a Acme uh, company, uh, and which uh, which employee I will or which uh, yeah which employee will I call to fulfill a task in the in the same department? Well, I can call the one who is available, right? Something like this, and that that's the the the, the biggest differentiation between the realms. So uh, the the crossroads realm is the is a realm that deals with the beginning of movement, with everything that is uh, that that sparks the the changing of things, the changing of situations. So he's the first realm because he's the start of the movement. He's the the that one single moment that says, "Let's go." Mm -hmm. When things get in movement, then we have the the cruise. Uh, realm. We have the second realm. The, things already started. That that was that there was that first spark, and now we have to continue the the, the movement. We have to keep going. Th this is the cruise realm. Uh, when we talk about healing, when we talk about health issues, when we talk about uh, cures and uh, shamanic things and uh, forests and all the secrets that natural elements have inside them we're talking about the woods realm <clears throat> when we're talking about and then this is the third realm when we're talking about the fears the the most emotional aspects 
of a, of a person when we're talking about psychological aspects of, of someone we're talking about the cemetery realm that uh, of course when we perform a ritual we're talking about real life cemeteries but when we're talking about symbolic uh, cemeteries we're talking about those things that are deep inside our soul deep inside hidden in our feelings deep inside and that most of the time we don't want to look at hmm. we don't want to look to a dead body we don't want to look to a school we don't want to open a coffin and see what's there as well as we don't want to look deep deep inside of us and most of the times we don't we don't want to face our inner beast this is the the cemetery realm the the most deep feelings and thoughts and energies that we can access of course we're talking about a spirit's coat so we have the soul's realm which is literally the the realm that will deal with the devs that will deal with souls that will deal with uh the spirits the 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 Ashun Pombajira spirits as uh, as in general because we're talking about that forces and that's the the fifth realm then we get the sixth realm which is leaders realm and that's where we recognize all life's pleasure if uh if we if the this the 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 christian sin is to enjoy life is to enjoy drinks is to enjoy sex is to enjoy for those who know to use it and know to uh not be consumed by it by it for those who enjoy drugs for those who enjoy psychedelics for those who enjoy everything that the world has to offer this is the this is the leader's realm as well as as well as art as well as uh dilettant's way of life this is the 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 leader's realm and then we have the seventh realm which is the beach realm do, do, did I did I uh, pronounce beach right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or am I pronouncing it badly? No, you're good. You're. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not the. the okay. The bitch realm. Be, bitches are bitches. Bitches are going to be in the leaders realm. <laughs> and, and then we have the beach realm, which is the the eternal. Uh, th that is the the English expression for it the eternal uh return so the the as as the waves come and go on the beach shore the beach realms uh, shows us that as just as victories uh, not not every pain lasts forever as well as not every pleasure lasts forever so beach realm is going to deal with traveling from one place to another for the go the comes and going of life the uh energy flows the the energy cycles and the, the situations that needs to be ended so things can restart again and if the first realm is the crossroads realm is the exact point of intersection of two streets where the movement starts the beach realm is the the symbolic way of saying that spark of movement we learn sometime and we need it and we need to restart it we need to go back to the beginning and we need to learn what we what we've been through mm. 
so the journey can restart in a better way. So the beach is like rebirth. Yeah, exactly. The beach is like rebirth. It's very interesting. And so there's there's the over each one of these realms you described, there's but one Pompashira, but then there's 10 Ishu. Did I get that right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. That is that's pretty amazing. One Pombajira have the same amount of power that 10 issues will share with something like this. Wow. Mm. And it seems like it's a really diversified field of action. I mean, you're covering all the different realms of exactly. life, of, of the external life and the internal life. I mean, when you mentioned about how the cemetery realm is also about that which is buried down deep inside of us, that that really struck a chord with me. I. I thought, wow, that is really profound because we do, we bury things mm -hmm. deep inside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so I would imagine those issues in Pombajiras force you to face things. In, in most of the times, yeah. And uh, this is something that, uh, well, I, I, I devoted myself to Kimbanda and I, I love it, but you must be ready to face if I, the uh, one who wants to be a Kimbandist must be ready to face the way Kimbanda teaches things. Uh, not, not Kimbanda, but the way uh, that Eshu and Pombajira teaches you life lessons, because that's the thing. We, uh, Eshu and Pombajira will mostly never, uh, oh, come here, let me tell you a story. I will try to teach you something. No, this is the real deal. This is how you're going to learn. And if you don't learn, I'll punch you. That, that, that's the, that's the way. Yeah, because we're talking about the the, <laughs> the most forgotten uh, spirits, the most uh, marginal spirits, and that's the way they know how to uh, how to teach. That's the way they have to say life isn't kind, life isn't sweet, but you can take the best of 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 it. And it can be good. So this is not necessarily an easy path. No, it's, someone it's takes on definitely it's not. <laughs> but the rewards are are worth it. Are worth it. Yeah, exactly. You must have uh, at least you must be honest to yourself and uh, admit that life isn't easy. Life isn't yeah. easy. No one no one grows. No one evolves with loving path. Uh, I I I am a the, uh, I'm a part of this, oh, gratitude, gratitude kind of people. I, I, I like being this way. But we have to face that no one evolves and no one grows in a peaceful and loving and sharing and community environment. We learn from pain. We only evolve from pain. When everything is good, I want to sit down and relax. Well, everything is good. I don't have anything to worry about, so I won't change. It's all good. I don't have why to change. I don't have why to look for something else. I don't have why to look to myself and maybe take a self, uh, a self-conscious. Oh, where did I? What's wrong? No, things are good. What, what, when something is wrong, when we're facing some uh, struggle, when we're facing some life challenge, when we have to feel some pain, that's the sign that well, things are not right. So what do I need? What do I need to do? In a practical way, or in a magical way, or in a spiritual way, what do I need to do to get to do, to that uh, relaxed and peaceful and uh, uh, and good and pleasure 
state of uh, state of being. So the 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 main goal of Eshu and Pombajira in our life is to make us feel good, is to make us uh, be health and be wealth and uh, have uh, have love in life and have money and have everything we can. But they won't make things appear in your window and, oh, I have, now I have money. Oh, no, you'll have to learn how to be worth of what they have to give to you. And that's the hard part. Yeah, nicely said. So let me ask you about spirit incorporation or spirit possession. Mm -hmm. Is this a part of the cult? Yeah, that's the, the, the basics. Uh, the, the Kimbanda 101, you will be embodied by a spirit. And that's the way we relate with with, with Eshun Pombajira. Because and uh, we can hug our deities, we can talk with, literally, we can hug our deities, we can talk with our deities, we can uh, share a meal with Eshun Pombajira. Because they have the power of coming back from the dead and embody a, a person's body and take the, the conscious and take the, the a person's body and become alive once again. That's the phenomenon of uh, incorporation of uh, spiritual embodiment. Because there is kind of an ambiguity with Eshu as far as spirit and deity, um, and there is the difference that you point out in the book between mm -hmm. pose possession and spiritual embodiment. Um, one is inside out, one is outside in. Um, yeah. Do you experience both with Eshu? No, with Eshu, okay. I only experience the, the spiritual embodiment, the outside okay. in. There is an outside element, an outside force, which is the spirit, that takes over my conscious, that takes over my body, and for that uh, amount of time, I'm, I'm not the one who's, uh, who's there. I don't know what has been done, I don't know what has been spoken, I don't know what's been, uh, well, performed. The spirit take take controls of my body and do whatever he wants, but it's an outside force that takes over me. And when we're talking about <clears throat> possession, when we're talking about uh, Orisha's possession or a Loa's possession, we're talking about an inside force that is rooted in our body during during the initiation rituals. It is a seed inside our body. And if we allow it to flower during the, the, the other rituals that uh, Orisha's code or uh, Loa's code demands, this, this uh, seed that was rooted inside, literally rooted inside of us, it can flourish. And when it flourishes, it explodes from inside out and Takes also takes our body, also takes our conscious, our also gets uh, a earthly form in our uh, uh, taking over my body. But it's an it's how can I explain this? Uh, spiritual embodiment is when one plus one becomes bigger than two. We have my spirit, my my incarnated uh, spirit, my incarnated conscious, my incarnated body that takes a step aside and says, 
well, you can take over me. It's another force, it's another personality, it's another being that acts, acts through, through my physical body. I am not my issue. Mo Actually, he is very different of me. <laughs> I'm most, uh, I don't know the word in English, I'm most shy some of the times, I'm most, uh, well, and he is the well, king of the party. He laughs and talks and makes friend, easy friendship and everything else. He is most open and I'm, I'm close. But once again, it's, it's not myself. It's not me. When we're talking about uh, the possession, the deity's possession, when we are initiated to a to an African god or goddess, when we are initiated to an Orisha, we are initiated to become an Orisha. And now we're talking about Candomblé. Now we're talking about uh, gods and goddesses. It's another religion, another code, all different. But when I am possessed by Oshosi, which is the, the Orisha I am I'm initiated to, it is the divine particle of myself that explodes from inside out and gets in it's the, the the it's the moment i say i say no it's the moment i become a god in in earth because it's it's that seed that was rooted inside me and that's why we are initiated to one orisha i i can't have uh two gods growing inside me we do uh, as as my 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 priest used to say one head can only carry one crown so the the more uh, the, the, the the major difference maybe is this uh, in, uh incorporation spiritual embodiment we're talking about a second element an outside element an outside force that takes over when we're talking about uh, God's possession, Orisha's possession, we're talking about my own divine particle that explodes and takes over. So I, I become a God for a while because I have a God planted, rooted inside of me. That's the, the biggest difference. That makes sense. So you were initiated in Umbanda, so you have that that seed planted. In Okay. Okay. Umbanda, Umbanda is the same thing as Kimbanda, spirits uh, worshiping. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I am initiated. I am a priest of Candomblé. I was initiated in Candomblé to the Orisha's code. Okay. So if someone is not, then they would only experience spiritual embodiment if if they were not initiated in exactly. an yeah. Orisha's cult. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Thank you. Anyone can be uh, anyone can be embodied by a spirit initiated or not okay. anyone can can experiment this 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 phenomenon any any person can be embodied but only initiated can be possessive got it because it's like the initiation with the with the orisa or or what um depending on the call mm -hmm. whatever spirit that is it's almost like a confirmation of what is already within it's, you. exactly exactly that's why we have to uh, consult uh, to, to consult the oracle, and uh, only the Karishal divination will say which is the 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 deity that is 
sleeping inside of you wanting to be waiting to be awakened so in that case it's like self actualization yeah 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 now let me ask you this so you know i know in a, i've i've seen you know in in america at least there's a lot of interest in the issues in pombajiras but people don't have the proper context or they they have sincere interest but they want to just jump right in and invoke them or call them and um to my understanding that is not advisable you have to be initiated to participate in working with these spirits is that right or is that wrong yeah uh right and wrong at the same time because uh anyone can summon the spirits and they will probably answer the thing is if you're not initiated or if you don't have at least you don't have the knowledge enough what will you do when when they answer and how will you guarantee that they will respect your authority or respect your wishes when we say when you say i want this i want that uh, that's the secret of the thing mm-hmm. spirits are running are, are among us right now are you prepared to relate with them and uh if some of them says no i'm not going to hear you to hear you now i am going to 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 make you obey me if the spirit says now i'm going to make you obey me what uh spiritual preparement what spiritual knowledge what spiritual authority you have to deal with the spirits so uh anyone can summon issues in pombajiras in their houses yeah everyone have the everyone is prepared for it no that that's the that's the, the reason of being of the initiation and all things we learned before so we're talking about a religion of secrets and these secrets are only revealed for those who are a part of it one of the secrets is how do you control these forces can you maybe go deep deeper is- into sorry the initiation process the importance of initiation i mean we've touched on it but there's a saying that you mentioned in the book that uh, you can only give what you have received that seems like a major a major point to yeah, emphasize yeah this is the major rule this is the major rule and uh it goes through the the practical parts of the initiation and all the the religious uh aspects of kimbanda so i can only initiate someone if i am initiated i can only give a priest degree to someone uh, if i am if i have the priest title uh so that's the the most practical interpretation of this this phrase but we also have a symbolic interpretation of it and that most people ignore uh when we say one can only give what one's received we are talking about the results of a spell for example hmm. How can I make a uh, prosperity spell for someone asking the spirits to give this person a uh, good job or a financial uh, achievement or something like this if I don't have if I'm not financial uh, not I don't need to be rich I'm not talking about richness but yeah. we're talking about a financial financial uh balance yeah stability thank you uh if I, if i'm not uh financially uh, stable if i don't have I, a at least i don't have a job a, a 
how can I give this to someone? How can I cast a spell to someone for something I don't have and I don't know what is it? Mm. I haven't. I never taste uh, the, the love. I never taste a good marriage. I never taste. How can I do a love spell to someone that will actually bring a nice relationship for that person? That's the most secret uh, meaning of one can only give what you, what he wants received. That's awesome. Thank you. Sorry, I think it cut you off earlier, Janice. The other thing I wanted to mention was it also, again, it sounds like issue because those who feed me are my friends. Exactly. Those who remember me, I remember them. So if you think about it, that's a universal principle of priesthood, the process of sacrifice and exchange. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what uh, strengthens the bonds between the initiated and, uh, and the spirit before the initiation because i have a lot of people that come to my house and says oh i want to be uh, i want to be a part of kimbanda i had a dream i had an intuition i had something well anything and i want to be kimbandist okay let's let's stop you know that uh once you are initiated you have to feed your spirit every year you know we are talking about a kind of a pact. Do you know you will have obligations from now on until, until the end of your life with the, the spirit you, you will be initiated to? Oh, no, I just want to be a convinced. <laughs> okay, I can, I can perform the initiation. That's not, that's not a problem. But you have, you will taste happiness and leave it aside. How do you strengthen these bonds? How do how do you have how how we make someone become our best friend? You say hello for him, for for him once in a lifetime, and never look back. And you can call that person your best friend, or will you every day take a look at him, say hello, uh, send a, send an SMS or a WhatsApp message? Hey, how are you? Are you good? Can I help you with something? Do you are you feeling well? That's that's what creates the, 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 our best friend bonds. That's what creates a family bond. Because family is not necessarily in the, in, in the blood. How many re, uh, relatives we have that we don't know anything of them? Are they our, our family? Or those who are in our day-to-day -day lives, facing with us, supporting us in our day-to-day -day struggles, uh, cheering with us, our day-to-day -day achievements, they're most, uh, they're more family than some distant cousin, for example. And that's the, the, the meaning of the yearly rituals, of the yearly obligations, of the sacrifices of all this kind. This is strengthen this bond. Is there any danger to, to initiating that relationship and then abandoning it? No, 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 you, you won't be punished. You won't be punished uh, unless you, unless you promise something. But that's other other kind of of, of relationship. Yeah, yeah. Nah, nah. But uh, the the initiation itself is there. There won't be any punishment if you initiate yourself and says, "Oh, okay, that's not what I thought it would be. That's not for me." Okay, it's like you and uh, a relationship, uh, a friendship. Sorry, it's. Uh, it's 
Can I leave a friend behind? Yeah, you can. Will he uh, chase you <laughs> in real life? Probably not. So that's not a problem. But even, even there is no punishment for leaving it, the thing is, the road is a dangerous place. That's, that's a, rea a reality. And it don't matter which kind of faith you have. It don't matter if you go to the church or if you go to a Kimbanda temple. The world, the, the world is there with all its dangers, with all its sadness, with all, and of course, with all the uh, all its good things, with all its, uh, its its pleasures, with all its love, with all. And the thing is, with a shoe by our side, it gets easier to assess the good part of the world. Or at least we are safer and we are protected against the bad parts. So will a shoe punish you if you leave him? No, he won't. Will he guard you if you leave him? No, he won't. And then you have to face the world. Nice. Man, Diego, this has been so cool. Uh, you've you've given us a lot to think about, a lot of great knowledge. We're very uh, lucky to have been able to talk to you. Um, such an authority in the subject. So this has been really cool. Um, where can people uh, find what you're doing? Do you have a website um, where they can find updates or maybe contact you for readings? I assume you do. You yeah, do services yeah, for yeah. People? We yeah. can do the the oracle readings. Uh, okay. in English or in Portuguese. Uh, so people can find me at my website, www.diegodeoxossi.com.br. But um, if you want to know more about Kumbanda, if people want to first understand the basics and then take a decision to initiate themselves, read traditional Brazilian black magic book, by Destiny Books, written by me. So that's the Kimbanda's uh, 101. Uh, you will find some some text, some articles in my website, but the basics are in the book. So get to know the book, get to know what is Kimbanda, get to know what kind of relationship you can establish with these spirits by reading traditional Brazilian black magic. And of course, if you want to initiate your, uh, if you want to be initiated in Kimbanda, if you want to please the spirits with offerings or something like this, if you want to cast a spell for these or that uh, goals, or if you just want to know more about yourself and what the gods and the goddesses and the spirits have uh, to your, uh, to your fate, to your destiny, you can always send me a WhatsApp message or send me an email through my website. DiegoDeoshossi.com.br. Great. Thank you so much for coming on. Janice, did you have anything else to add? I just wanted to express my gratitude to Diego for a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for making your time so available. Thank you so much for taking the painstaking <laughs> effort to explain <laughs> these things. No, I love to do this. I love to do this. <laughs> There's not a lot of information in the English-speaking world on Kimbanda, especially reliable information. And uh, there's a lot of people who really want to know about it and really want to understand it. And I hope that this interview helps them with that. And I also just want to personally thank 
all of the issues and pombajiras of your house, as well as all of the other spirits of your, you know, of, of, of your house that are with you that I'm sure are listening to this interview. Love, honor, respect to every single one of them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dominic, for these most amazing moments with you. It's a pleasure for me to talk about Kimbanda, about the shoe. And we are trying to organize uh, some uh, initiation, uh, how, how to say this, some initiation rounds for foreign people. So if, if any of the listeners or maybe you guys are interested, we can try to organize this in a, actually in a practical way of do, doing things for the for foreign uh, people. And it was a pleasure to be with you. And I know and I wish and I ask Ishu to always guide and enlighten your path and give you all the best life can have. Thank you so much. A big thank you to Diego. Excellent, excellent guest representing a topic that isn't that well known in the English speaking sphere. There have been some people over the past let's say 10 years that have made this subject a little bit more accessible, but, but it's still been a minimal amount. I remember a book by technicians of the sacred in the nineties that came out. And I think there's been a smattering of other things that speak of these spirits, either um, ethnographic or anthropological studies, which go into some of the religious elements, but I don't really, well, and then there's a few occult books that are probably better not better off not being mentioned because of their lack of comprehension. So I won't even touch those, but Diego presents the information in a clear, direct, easy to access way. Um, he also places it firmly within the context of the diasporic traditions and uh, within that, and he plots or triangulates its origin among those, you know, constellates them and represents how it originates from the same roots. I think this is really important because people, I think, especially today, tend to compartmentalize and see things in bite-sized pieces, TikTok-sized pieces, instead of um, gaining a picture of the of the whole of the whole and the way that uh, different s- systems, movements, traditions are related to each other. He also, I think, was an excellent explicator of the way a dynamic and lived tradition actually evolves and grows in current time, in real time. Yeah, I found it extremely fascinating. Just, uh, well, I mean, the book itself is is really great. Brazilian Black Magic, highly recommend it. Um, I liked it way more than I thought I would. and. Just the the whole history of Kimbanda, how it how it was conceived, is just super fascinating. I mean, we talked about it in the episode, but the the elevation of the Eshu spirits uh, kind of coming to the table of the deities as a reflection of kind of the socio economic situation in Brazil at the time, and the changing dynamics in the social structures um, directly correlated with uh, this this spirituality that was kind of evolving from Cardicism to uh, Umbanda and then to Kimbanda 
just really fascinating and Kimbanda itself, very comprehensive um, system and uh, very deep. Definitely. And I think that, again, I also appreciate that he drew attention to the Congo roots because we see the Congo arising repeatedly in the origins of many of these diasporic traditions. We spoke to Owen Ballard. We've spoken to Rocky Geis. We've spoken to um, several people at this point who have kind of illuminated uh, a different branch of this sort of esoteric and spiritual current. And in each time they come on, I've always noticed, and I think it's important to take note of this Congo influence. And he definitely gets into that and the way that, yeah, the the, uh, social system, the case system really was then projected onto the way the spirits were approached and organized and treated. And I think that that's something worth contemplating is the way that the spiritual world is a mirror of the physical world in a certain sense. And there can be sort of revolutionary approaches to dealing with spiritual, with the spiritual world. Uh, One thing that I thought was important that he mentioned, which is a distinction that is not unique to Kimbanda or Umbanda, is the idea that the God or the Orisha or whatever, it's not really being installed in the person like, you know, their head isn't being opened up and something isn't being plopped in the, in the brain dish. It's, it's more that it is the realization of something that was already present within it's the actuation and the animation of a preexistent principle within the soul. And that's that difference between the, coming down or coming in from outside of actual possession via V that process is intriguing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, great stuff. And um, we're going to try to keep this a little bit on the shorter side. So let's move right into the book review. What do you got for us today? No, you got it. Remember (laughs) what do I got for us today for the book review? I have uh, a new book. I just, acquired it's called greek poems to the gods hymns from homer to proclus by barry powell and it's through university of california press um it's actually a really great little book this it's got um the homeric hymns it's got the uh, orphic hymns it's got the hymns written by proclus to the different gods and it's also got hymns uh, from Callimachus, who was uh, an influential thinker, oh, I don't know offhand, maybe around 200 BC, around the area of Alexandria. It's, it's a compilation of all those um, in one spot. It's a very high quality book. The pages are kind of that glossy, um, glossy paper that's that's on the high quality side with color photos. Um, it's about 250 pages. So you've got. Um, for anyone familiar with with these hymns, you've got Poseidon, Athena, Aphrodite, Apollo, Artemis, Dionysus, Ares, all the normal gods to be found in the Orphic hymns and the Homeric hymns, but all in, in one spot. And it's compact. You can put it in your purse, in your bag, take it camping, you know, take it uh, to a coffee shop, 
it's it's a nice little book. So highly recommended. And that is the book for this week, Greek Poems to the Gods, Hymns from Homer to Proclus by Barry Powell. And Diego can be found on his website, which we will be po- which should be posted underneath this on the YouTube page or uh, also on our Facebook page. You can also find him on Instagram. He's on Instagram and Facebook, I believe. So there's multiple ways to get in touch with him. I know he offers a variety of spiritual services. He also does evaluations for initiation. But yeah, we can be found in all the usual places. And as always, gratitude to our supporters. We thank you for this. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening, all of you all around the world. And glad that we could hopefully introduce some new ideas to some people here and and some new, new perspectives that they might not have considered before. Okay. Thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next time. 